0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Chef Deb Cantrell, and she is a number one Amazon best-selling author of So You're a Chef, Now What? She's a sought-after speaker and dietary consultant who has worked with celebrities such as Glenn Beck, Vernon Wells, and Prince Fielder, transforming their lives along with 5,000 other families in the area through her food. Now she's an executive sh- chef. She's a best-selling author. She's a speaker, and she's a culinary business coach slash badass. I just put that in there. Now Chef Deb turned her coaching into a formal mentoring business, now called Chef Deb, where she helps chefs take their culinary business to the next level with her one-on-one comprehensive coaching programs deb has spoken across the country and has made tv appearances on cbs and nbc just to name a few you can find her at chefdeb.com chefdeb.com isn't that catchy startup nation why don't you have a catchy brand like that come on come up with something deb welcome to your first 100k uh top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship go ahead and just take 30 seconds fill in some of the gaps in that intro would you
1: Actually, you did an amazing job. Um, Probably the only gap, well, two gaps that I would probably fill into that is um, my oldest culinary company is now 19 years old this month and um, moved into a brick and mortar with a large staff. And it's fascinating whenever you employ people, how much you learn. So it's been a growth and learning experience over these past several years to have that brick and mortar. But the thing about it is in my company, my culinary company, it's actually a culinary medicine company. We're able to serve a lot more people that way. Um, As far as my mentor and coaching company, that just kind of came out of thousands of questions asked. And I thought, hmm. Maybe I should start charging people for all this time I spend with them. And that has morphed into something that has just been so fulfilling for me. It's been extraordinary. And um, because there are no um, resources as well as coaching and consulting people out there for culinary business owners who want to scale from that six to seven figures and honestly, who don't want to own a restaurant. Mm. So I did.
0: I think it's fantastic that you have niched down two to three levels. Uh, It's brilliant, right? And a lot of guests come on my show and they're like, Joseph, man, your niche is fantastic. It's like first $100,000. Like this is the unforgotten 90% of entrepreneurs. They're all chasing a million, but they haven't got to the first 100K yet. Let's do baby steps. And it's like, listen, that's why it's working. So really well done. I acknowledge you for that. Startup Nation, learn that lesson faster than later. Like get down two to three niches. That's where the riches are. That's where you're going to do well. So Deb, take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know.
1: Wow. <laughs> um Probably the most profound thing is, and this is going to be uh, fascinating besides that I'm scared to death of spiders. Um, I actually can't stand this, the sound of uh, stainless steel against stainless steel. Okay. Let me tell you why that's significant. What is my chef knife made out of?
0: Steel, stainless steel.
1: What are prep tables made out of?
0: I'm guessing the same material.
1: What are pots and pans made out of?
0: All different Same materials,
1: but a lot of stainless steel and I cannot stand it when the two meet. Wait, you can't
0: stand the sound that occurs so often in the kitchen, right? How do you deal with this?
1: A lot of mindset work and I walk away a lot and I change cutting boards to plastic and I make people use wooden spoons instead. Oh, yes. Yes. There is not in my kitchen currently. If there is a uh, stainless steel spoon, it is it is put away until I leave. Wow. Fascinating. I know. It it's fascinating.
0: Like... It's a little weird. I'm telling you, but I thank know. you for that transparency. Like startup uh-huh. nation, you got some weird behaviors. I got some weird behaviors. Deb, Deb just shared one of hers. It's it's just a thing that just irks her. That sound of stainless steel on stainless steel. I, do, I don't even know what the sound sounds like to be real with you. I kind of want to go down to the kitchen now and like
1: find out. You can see my arms right now. They're covered in chill bumps just talking about it.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. All sure. right, let's, let's get into the money game, the mental game of entrepreneurship. What was the number one head trash lie limiting belief that you had to conquer within yourself, uh, in order to move forward. And you're doing over $500,000 a year right now in your business. Congratulations on that. What was that number one lie you had to blow through?
1: That I could do it all myself.
0: How did you get past that?
1: You know, someone told me once that there's um, something called a zone of genius and there you cannot do everything well. You can't be all things to all people. And what really struck me was whenever somebody said, you're not a web designer. You're not a copywriter. You are not a bookkeeper. You are not a, you are not a. And I kept thinking to myself, you're absolutely right. I am not all of those things. What I am is a chef to heal people through food in my, one of my companies and a culinary business coach in the other. I can't do all things well. The other layer on top of that was where the heck is the money going to come from if I delegate? And then the third layer is, wait, how do you delegate?
0: Mm, all right. Let's walk through that. Cause you just spoke to so many of my listeners right now. Now talk to us about this concept of hiring forward.
1: Mm. You know, with, business owners as a whole and even I still get into this mindset sometimes a lot it's a chicken or an egg scenario i need to grow and i know i need to hire but the money's not there in order to grow so that i can hire people but yet if i hire somebody before i have the money Will the business come in order to cover their pay or their salary? So a lot of entrepreneurs sit there and they really spin in that proverbial circle where they can't get out of their own way. When if you never hire forward and you wait until you have the money, you are never going to grow. And the words that most entrepreneurs hear is this is as good as it's ever going to get. This is the amount of money you're going to make. This is the amount of people you're going to serve. This is the best it's ever going to be right where you are. If you're happy, stay there. If you're not, hire forward, have faith, put that energy into your business. They will come. They will come every time. But you have to step out on that proverbial, that bridge that was in, um, like, was it Raiders of the Lost Ark where he was about to step out? And as soon as he did, it appeared. Happens every time. Yeah. Mm. So
0: how did you get, like, get over the fear of taking that first step? I mean, you, you shared some fear of spiders. You shared fear of stainless <laughs> steel on stainless steel. How did you get past the fear um, of, of stepping into like, a bottomless pit of unknown like, to, to start hiring people before you even had the revenue to do so?
1: So I took the first step forward and I created a job description and a job posting. Some people think they're one and the same. They are not. So I created a job description based upon the holes that I needed to fill. That's the first thing that I did, because a lot of times you have to know what you don't want to do or what needs to happen before you can write a job description. I wrote down all the holes, all the things I didn't like to do. And then I thought, what title do I give this person that the rest of the world would get? From there, I wrote a job ad, did all the things, put it on Facebook, put it on deed. But I told myself, it doesn't mean I have to hire them. hmm. What that told me was if the right person comes along, and I would know it because a lot of growing your business is really listening to what's in here, not what's out there. And I thought, you know what? If the right person comes along, that I can ask the simple question, how do you make me money and pay for yourself? I would hire them. I made that promise to myself. Right person came along. In fact, I took the job posting down And she called me and said, I'm going to work for you. And I said, I don't have the money. I don't have the posting up anymore. She goes, oh, that doesn't matter. Pay me this much for 90 days. Let me show you what I can do. And after 90 days, if I don't prove to you my worth, you can let me go. Okay. That's how it all started.
0: Okay, Startup Nation. What do you think? Is Deb onto something here? Is this like sparking your creativity? Do you want to write a job posting and a job description? Taking the advice that Deb is sharing that you don't actually have to hire anybody that you interview. There's your safety net. Mm -hmm. There's your safety net that you're looking for. There's your little security blanket to wrap around all soft and cuddly. But how much are you going to learn when you sit down with these people and start qualifying them. How much are you going to learn about what you actually need when you start speaking it out with them versus what you thought you need? How much it's going to cost you? How quickly they can deliver? And Deb, I really uh, appreciate um, you know just just the the context you created there. Uh, taking that step and you did it in a uh, a calculated faithful way if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like you took a leap That's- of faith but but you but you you calculated it. Right? Okay. So I, I really appreciate that. I think a lot of people are going to resonate with that. All right. So, question. Did it work?
1: Absolutely it worked. This person that I hired was instrumental in me starting my second company and helping to take The culinary medicine company that I had at the time, it was at mm, high six figures. She helped me triple, triple my net, not my sales, my net in the next few years that she worked for me. She was instrumental. And who she was, was marketing. I realized that if I wanted consistent income, and that's the key in every business, It's one of the biggest complaints, especially when you're trying to get to that first 100k is inconsistency of income. I knew I had to do something and she did that for me.
0: So when she came to you, did she uh, describe herself as a marketing person and this is what she's going to help you with or not at all? And it just kind of, she fell into that role and those were her giftings.
1: No, she had graduated from Brigham Young University with a degree in marketing. And I was actually her first employee, employer. However, before I hired her, I had her create a marketing plan for my company. Mm. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of time. But if she wanted the job, I knew that she would do it. And now with each new hire that I have, Again, I have them do two things. That first question is I have them answer, how do you pay for yourself? Number one. The second thing I have them do is is some project that has to do with the job that they were taking on. And now I've started asking a third question is how do you lose me money? Hmm. How do people answer that? They're shocked at first. And then if I have to help them to understand, for example, in my uh, culinary medicine company, if I hire a head chef and I said, how do I, how do you lose me money? Mm -hmm. They need to come up with things like I don't control food costs. I don't control employee costs. I don't control food waste. If I'm hiring a sales director in my uh, coaching and consulting company for culinary business owners, which I just hired, then when I asked her that question, she said, um, the way that I lose money is if I create a sales plan, but I don't go back and look at the ROI. And then the second thing is, is I don't do a wrap up or a what could we have done better or differently next time. Wow.
0: This like really gets people to think about what they're getting themselves Mm -hmm. into when you hire them and do they really want it? And are they the right person? Are they the right fit? Are they up for that challenge? I like this. I like what you're presenting. All right. How do you get past or how do you help my listener get past the head trash, the limiting belief system that says, well, Deb, that's great for you. You have something to offer them, but I don't think anybody's going to like jump through those three hoops for me, especially if I have no money to pay them. How do you answer that?
1: So my first question is, is how do you know you don't have the money to pay them? You don't know that just because money is, and I'm a about to get a little woo-woo, it is way more than just what is in your checking account. It's it's so much more than that. The thing about it is, is when you get into kind of that head trash mode of one, why would anybody work for me? Two, am I really ready for this? And three, oh my gosh, can I actually pay them? So what I always do is remember how we talked about just because you put a job ad or a posting out doesn't mean you you have to hire anybody. Well, there's another safety net that I do too is once I sit down with that person and I see that they're dedicated by asking them those three questions instead of just wanting a job. And we all know what that feels like. The next thing I say is you and I are both on probation for 90 days. And they're always shocked whenever they say that, The business owner is. I said, absolutely. This is a relationship. You become part of something bigger and you become part of a team. I don't assume you're going to like me and the way I do business, nor this company. We share core values, we share culture, but unless you live in it day to day, it matters. Just like I get the right to sit down with you at any time and say, I don't think it's working. Here's the reasons why. What I know, and the reason why that 90 days is magical, is because I tell anybody, and here's the practical part of it, not the woo-woo part of it, the practical part of it is I try before I hire anyone, and I know that for 90 days, it might hurt a little bit financially. It's going to affect my bottom line. It's going to affect my operating costs, but I allow 90 days only for it to hurt for a little bit, no more than that. And so I'm already prepared for the fact that I might make less money up to 90 days. I also know that if somebody has not proven themselves in that time, and honestly, for me, it's about two weeks, so I'd be really lying if I told you it's 90 days, but I tell them 90 days, that gives us all a level playing field at that point in time. So it's a little bit more of a safety net. It's a little safer to get out there that way and actually hire somebody.
0: Mm, This is powerful. Startup Nation, you and I are on probation for the next 90 days. Mm -hmm. Like what a powerful disruptive uh, thing to say to a new hire, but yet it creates that freedom Mm -hmm. for you Or the space for you to say, hey, we're not a fit. This didn't work out. Thank you so much for your time. And for them to do the same with you. Because you're forming a relationship where you both win. All right, Deb. What did we not get to yet that you really think my listener needs to hear when it comes to hiring forward I like to say hiring forward to profit faster, right? Mm -hmm. That's probably what we're going to title this episode because I think that's what it's all about. How do I profit faster by hiring forward even when I can't afford it yet, right? That's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. So what have we not discussed yet that they need to hear?
1: You know, I underestimated the value and I mentioned it very briefly. I underestimated the value and the power of having um, the uh, core, the core beliefs, the core principles, the, uh, the, the value statement in a business. So what I mean by that is um, I have a mission statement in both of my business. I have a culture statement in both of my businesses. I have core values in both of my businesses, have had them for years. And there was a chef that came to me in my culinary medicine business, very well-recognized, amazing chef. I knew him personally, interviewed him, skipped all the core values, all the other stuff, the mission statement and are you on board for the long haul? And, you know, this is our, you know, belief system. Um, Cause I just thought man, I got him. This is amazing. Day one, he said these words, there's really no one that has to eat this way food does not heal anybody it's just food i thought oh no i pulled him in and i said we got to stop i have to explain to you i told you that's a culinary medicine company he goes yeah but i just thought i was going to cook food there would be some substitutions i said that's exactly what you do i need people that believe in the mission and understand that every onion you chop goes into somebody's body and has an effect on them. And he said, not something I can do. I said, thank you very much. We got to part ways. I did not understand the value. You may have somebody with the right skill set, but unless they fit and they believe your mission and what you're trying to do and those core values, it it oil and water will never work. Mm.
0: Startup Nation, would you be willing to fire that famous person that could take your business to the stars if they were not the right fit for your vision, for your business?
1: Oh, I was unpopular, very unpopular for a very long time in my community.
0: Was it worth it,
1: Deb? Absolutely. It was worth it because those naysayers and those people that threw daggers at me, no longer in business. Mine is 19 years old. You know,
0: success is such vindication. Yes. Yes. All right, Deb. Um, This is a great show. Great episode. This is not a topic that comes up often uh, on this show or other podcasts that I hear about hiring forward and, and really how to do it. And I think you've dropped some valuable insights uh, and strategies. Uh, I'm going to ask you for your more generic, uh, universal top three tips or strategies uh, that you used or that you teach your clients to use uh, to exceed the six-figure mark, that first six figures, so that my listener can go to action on these three steps this week, possibly, or this month. What do you got
1: for them? My problem is I'm going to have to keep it way more. I'm going to have to try to keep it to three. Probably we will do four. Um, One of the biggest things that I've learned and I teach my uh, coaching clients is who you surround yourself with. It is very, very difficult to run a business if you surround yourself with negative people. I did not understand the power of this and listen to what I'm about to say one of those people that I had to remove from my life was my mom. Ouch. Correct. You are the sum of the seven people that you hang around. Eventually your values will align. And so is the money that is in your checking account. You want to improve your life. You want to improve your business. Surround yourself with a community. That would be my second thing of people that believe in you, that understand you will uplift you. So I have two communities, one of friends and family, and then also one that I'm a part of a mastermind group or other Uh, seasoned business owners that share the same values and goals that I do, because most people don't, don't understand you as an entrepreneur. You're pretty alien to them. Why in the world you would work 80 hours a week for less money than you probably made working just 40 for somebody else is beyond them.
0: You know what that sounds like to them, Deb? Stainless steel on stainless steel. Oh, I know.
1: I know. And I don't want everybody to say, oh my God, I have to get rid of my mom. That is not what I'm saying. Do not, (laughs) do not
0: start (laughs) up nation. Go tell your mom she's got a pack. Okay. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's not what's being said here today.
1: I wanted you to understand the depths of what I'm saying. Okay. The second thing is, is usually the decision that you need to make in business is the thing. that keeps you up at night. The one thing that will significantly turn your business around today is the thing that keeps you up at night, the decision you know you need to make. So,
0: Can you give us an example of what yours was? was your first year?
1: Yes, I can. I want everybody to really stop right now and think about that thing that just gnaws at you sitting at the stoplight taking a shower. If you ever get a massage, which you should, it's part of a growth strategy. I promise. Um, it's the thing that nags at you pretty soon. Your business will come to a screeching halt unless you do that one thing. So you might as well go ahead and do it. My one thing, honestly, this is not a sales technique. I hired a coach. I spent years doing everything that I could possibly do not to hire a coach to include money. And it was not until I found myself as a single mom with two kids, thousands, and I was so in debt, so in debt. I had the opportunity to hire a coach that I had followed for a very long time, within six months the catastrophic difference it made in my life and my business was insurmountable insurmountable that was my thing that kept me up at night because coaches are not cheap
0: mm-hmm. at all Not good ones not good not ones.
1: good ones correct um the other thing that we touched on very briefly that I so wished I would have learned when I was below that that trying to get to that first six figure mark I'm at seven and beyond now, and I still have to remind myself this, you hit on the concept of niching. There's actually a concept called micro-niching that I have learned over the past year. If I had learned to micro-niche down, so I used to work with culinary business owners Then I micro niched to culinary business owners who didn't want their own restaurants. And then I micro niched down the success that I have had in this company, as well as my culinary medicine company, when I decided to only work with people with special dietary needs that wanted to heal through food, the growth was exponential because then you can hone in, create offerings specifically to those pain points, and people will come in droves. Wished I would have micro-niched and learned that concept.
0: Deb, is there a series of one, two, or three questions uh, that my listener can ask themselves in order to micro-niche?
1: Yes. Number one is, of the people you currently work with, who do you love working with the most? That's the first thing. The reason I say that is because we often forget when we own our own businesses that we don't have to just take on everybody. You get a choice in who you want to work with and the outcome will be so much more powerful. The second thing that you can do is you can look to see the, you can profile your clients. What I mean by that is, is I actually, I have a document that I've created, but you don't need the document. You really look at um, your top three clients and you, and you across the page, you write why I like to work with them, the money they bring me, where I found them, what their demographics or socioeconomic, all of those things, everything, you know, about them. Look at those three people clients, whatever it is you call them for similarities, whatever their similarities are, that then becomes your micro niche. Maybe if you work with uh, maybe you're a marriage counselor um, and maybe your thing is um, couples and You find out that they've all been married for at least 10 years, and then you find out maybe they're all Christian. Then you find out they have no kids, and then you find out. So you can see there how to micro niche down. There's a tip that somebody told me when you are trying to micro niche, whatever your business area is, go to Google, the famous Google, and type in. Problems with, it could be problems with prepared meals, problems with marriage counseling, problems with dog grooming, whatever your thing is. You will be shocked at the blogs, the conversations, the things written about all the problems with your thing that you do. That will help you to look to see where your micro niche needs to come. The other thing that you can do with that is that just gave you mountains of copy for social post, as well as blog post for website copy, because now you become the expert to fix those problems in your industry.
0: So Startup Nation, what I absolutely not just like, but almost love. I only love people. I don't love things. But if I could love things, I would love this. And that is... You're actually Googling problems with the solution,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the solutions that are available within your industry currently. And what are the problems people are having with those solutions? And then within those solutions, you're looking for all the complaints that people have. For example, problems with therapy, we'll use as an example. Okay. And people may say, It goes on for years and years. I'm sick and tired of it. It's ridiculous. I just talk about my problems, but I never actually get rid of them. I learn to cope with them or manage them, but they're still there. Okay. Well, there you go. Like right there. Okay. How do I create something where we actually go in and, and get rid of problems? Right. versus So just as an example, is that correct, Deb?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. Excellent. So what do you want to search right now, Startup Nation? Uh, go ahead and search problems with whatever the solution is that you're currently offering your clients, and then whatever all those complaints are, that's where your micro niche is. Is that correct, Deb?
1: Absolutely. And those those complaints or those problems, you're going to start to see patterns in. There's usually about three to five that everybody is talking about. They all have the same problem. Now go back and use that to develop a. Program offering product service whatever your thing is that fixes each of those things. So now you have three to five new offerings that fix the exact problem that your exact target market is having.
0: This is brilliant. I like it. This is one of my favorite episodes. I'm just putting that out there, Deb. I'm so glad. Not to discount that to
1: all the girls. I I kind (laughs) of do
0: not. (laughs) Do not. All right, Deb. Uh, Welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just
1: for fun. Are you
0: ready? Yes. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur?
1: The money I can make.
0: Yeah. She's crushing it. Seven figures, yo. Uh, What is your least favorite thing? The employees. Yeah.
1: What are you most afraid of? Mm. Mm. not, not having the offerings that are required to meet the needs of my customers, not truly understanding them and just selling them something that might work. Mm. That's a
0: deep answer. Like selling your, your treasured clients, cheap substitutes for the problems that they have. Yeah. I get that. Uh, We're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with or challenged by uh, either professionally or personally right now?
1: The fact that my son is 21 years old and in the army and decided to get married without me and now has a baby on the way.
0: Wow. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Way too much time doing this past year. That's actually supposed to be a negative thing, but it's not. It's actually, I spent a ton of time in self-care.
0: You know what? It's actually not meant to be a negative question. However, most guests answer it from a negative perspective. I think you're one of the first that said, here's the positive thing I spend way too much time doing because I actually care about myself. I did right. What secret fear do you have about
1: people? I can't use curse words, um, <laughs> that they're not genuine.
0: I hear you. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business?
1: To hire faster.
0: Yeah. What's a new habit that you want to create?
1: That I read books more.
0: Read books more. Yes. What's a bad habit you want to break?
1: I can honestly tell you that I broke them all a long time ago and they're not allowed. Sorry, don't Got have it. any.
0: Pick 3 words to describe who you are now, Deb.
1: Powerful, caring, and dedicated.
0: I would also add articulate. Thank You're you. Very articulate in your answers. Pick 3 words to describe who you were your first year in this business.
1: Oh god, only 3? Um messy, unsure, head trash.
0: Yeah. And last question, Deb, if you could come back to life, look your family and friends in the eye and only give them one piece of advice about anything, everything, all of it, what would you say to them?
1: The best way to grow a business and have a fulfilled life is step away from both and do something that only you enjoy.
0: Awesome challenge. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first 100K in the next 12 months?
1: One of the things I want you to know is don't forget about you. Whenever you are clawing your way up the mountain that feels like it's covered in mud and probably freezing to death, and you forgot your shoes and maybe even your bra for women out there, um, true story, is as I was going into a business meeting, what I want you to remember is so often. We just we want clients. We want clients. We want clients. We build, we build, we build what every startup or first hundred K entrepreneur forgets is that if you never dedicate time to work on your business and you only work in it, you will never have the bandwidth to grow it. If you fill all your time with clients, then that's as good as your business will ever be. So I implore you right now, especially if you just got a big influx of clients in, or even if you didn't, dedicate at least one day to grow. Think. Yes, one of the best things you can do for your business is have time to think about it. Behind this wall is a floor to ceiling whiteboard. My husband knows when I'm in there with Sharpies in both hands, he just closes the door again. You have got to have time to think on your business, to work on it and not in it at least once a week. Please remember to carve out that time. Mm. It's imperative.
0: Powerful. Deb, what is the best way for Startup Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose to go get your book, to hire you as a coach? They love you. They're resonating with you. What do you got for them?
1: So my book is on Amazon. Um, So you're a chef. Now what? It's actually right there. Um, You can get that on Amazon and then you can always go to my website, which is pretty simple. It's uh, chefdeb.com. I actually fought for that URL. Um, It's fascinating. That's a fascinating story too. Um, All of my contact information is there. Of course, you can also find me on all the social media that you can possibly imagine because that's just what we're supposed to do nowadays.
0: Deb Cantrell, thank you for being on your first 100 K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you wanna crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines?